Well, again, good morning, and uh, it is good to be here with you today, church family. And um, we are going to talk about today the freeing power of gratitude. And we're going to start in the book of First Chronicles, chapter 29. And what I'd like us to do this morning to get this started is uh, I'd like us to read this together. So uh, I think Donald will put this up on the screen for us, First Chronicles chapter 29. We're going to read verses 10 through 14. So I'm actually going to ask you to just read it out loud with me uh, as we read it together. So here we go. You ready? Here we go. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given only what comes from your hand. Uh, we're going to talk about that here in just uh, over the next few minutes together. I, I brought a couple of uh, props today. I like to bring props, and uh, so on. In the in my right hand here, I have these roses, and in the left, I have these roses, of course. So this one is potted. This these are cut flowers, and they're both beautiful. Um, both bring some, hopefully, a little bit of color and joy. Um, but there's a difference between the two. These cut flowers, while they are beautiful. Um, they will, over a little bit of time, depending on how healthy they are and how well they've uh, been taken care of, they will eventually fade and they'll eventually die and they will be no more, right? They're beautiful. They're still good. Still good to have them. Still bring color. It's good. The, uh, the, the little potted uh, mini rose here we have, also beautiful, also has color. You might even like those better because they're a little bigger. They're a little more bloomed. But the difference in these is, not only do they have color and do they, do they have life, but they have the capacity in them to continue to have color, to continue to produce flowers and continue to produce beauty. And the reason is because the difference between these or these is these have roots. These still have life coming from some other source, and that source gives it the capacity to have continual life, continual beauty, continual blooms. I think about this. I use this as an illustration as a difference between um, having a uh, times or seasons of thankfulness. We're coming into the season of Thanksgiving, uh, which is great. We should be taking time and, and, and giving our thanks to God for all that we have. But we're coming into this season of Thanksgiving, but it's the difference between uh, uh, seasons or glimpses of thanks and a life of gratitude. Because oftentimes our glimpses of thanks or seasons of thanks are dependent on our circumstances. And we, we pause and we say, okay, things are going well right now or things are going as I hoped right now or I just got a beautiful gift or whatever it is. And so we give thanks and that's great. But unless that is rooted in something beyond just that circumstance, 
unless it comes from something deeper, then eventually that is going to fade. That's the difference between a person who gives occasional thanks and a person who lives a life of gratitude. A person who lives a life of gratitude has roots. And so thanks is a product of something different. It's a product of something different. My dad, um, he, uh, he, he would tell you, he would have told you when he was living, he, he would have said for his first 40 years of his life, he was chasing the wind. Uh, he, was, he was working hard. Um, to become an, an attorney, trying to be a successful attorney. And he, you know, he, was, he was doing fairly well, but he would say he was chasing the wind. At the age of 40, he gave his life to Jesus Christ and submitted his life to Christ, recognized God as his owner, and everything changed in him. And my dad used to say that the secret to, com- to contentment was to want what you have. Want what you have. So the car you have, want that car. The house you own or you live in or the apartment or whatever, want that. Uh, the spouse that you have, want that spouse. Want what you have. If you want what you have, you'll find the key to contentment. And it's really true. And my dad had a different, a different spirit about him. My dad was not a person after he... Now, of course, I didn't know him. Uh, well, I was five years old when he gave his life to Christ. But, but after he gave his life to Jesus... He had a different spirit about him, and, and he wasn't a person who was always reaching after the next best thing or needed something better. He just, he just had this sense of gratitude in him, and uh, there was this different spirit about him. In fact, we would go outside. He loved to go outside, and we'd go out on a walk, and he'd see these maple trees that he'd seen hundreds and hundreds of times before, and he'd say, just look at how beautiful those maple trees are. Or he'd take me down on a trail and he'd, he'd say, Chris, I want to show you this. And he, he'd show me, look at that trillium that has just bloomed there. He'd seen thousands of trilliums, but every one was like this wonder because he recognized that every day and everything around him was a gift. Everything was a gift. And it created him this, this sense of, uh, of, of gratitude in him. My dad was not without, he did not you know, live a life without pain or deep disappointment. Um, he had those struggles, but he just had lived in this sense of gratitude, and I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. A person who lives a life of, of gratitude has a different spirit about them. You want to be around them. They change the environment in the room. When they come into the room, they change the environment of the room when somebody is grateful. We all know if we've had kids, right, when our kids, we've given them, given them, given them, and then they're not grateful how that feels, that does not make us particularly happy or make us want to give them very much more. But when they live in a grateful, this, this sense of gratitude for what they have, boy, we just want to continue to just bless them. Where does that come from? Where does that life of that spirit of gratitude come from? And as I, I studied for this uh, message this morning and read different you know, scriptures, of course, and and articles and opinions, it all came to essentially the same conclusion that, that gratitude is a change of perspective. And that's, that's completely true. Pastor Dustin has said over these last couple of weeks that gratitude is a choice, and he's completely right. Gratitude is a decision that we make. But America is, I think Americans are uniquely gifted to take our blessings and privileges for granted. Um, in fact, I would argue that often we... We, we are, we're so accustomed to the privileges that we have that we forget they're actually privileges. And we start, we start treating them as, as we had a right to these things. And, and we take them for granted. Aldous Huxley, an English author, took it a little broader and he said this. He said, 
most human beings have an almost infinite capacity for taking things for granted. It's true. It's part of our sin nature, actually. Um, the Bible, in Paul's letter to the Romans, he's talking about how God, through the power and through the beauty of His creation, has made Himself known and has given people an opportunity to know Him. And he's talking then about the fact that they have turned from Him and, and that the wrath of God is coming. And, and Paul says in Romans 1.21, he says this interesting statement. He says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. They neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting that the reality of, of God the Creator for those that Paul is talking about was clear. The reality of God was clear, but we humanity wouldn't glorify Him as God nor give thanks to Him. We wouldn't give thanks to Him. That's central to the brokenness of our lives is a refusal to acknowledge that everything we have comes from God. Everything. Everything we have comes from God. Instead, what happens is we live as though we don't need God. We live as though we can do it on our own. We love our independence. We want to be left alone. We want to do it our own way. And, and, and this idea of independence from God, what it does is actually enslaves us to our own self-sufficiency. While God, if he, is, if he is the one who is Lord of our life and who we've surrendered our life to, He has infinite capacity to do and provide everything that we could possibly need. When we do this, when we, when we reject that, and we say, no, God, I don't need you, I'll do this myself, then we are limited to only what we can do, our own ability. Our own ability to produce resources and, or to, to work hard or to achieve something. And even though that all still comes, the sources from God, we don't, we don't acknowledge that it comes from God. And then we're limited and then we're enslaved to our own self-sufficiency. So while I believe gratitude is certainly a choice, I believe there is a critical root that underlies that decision. That that choice comes from something that if you kill or are disconnected from that root, you might have a temporary bloom of thankfulness that is beautiful still, but not a sustainable life of gratitude. And that root, that gratitude emerges. So, so gratitude, in other words, is a product of something. It's not just something we it just happen, we, we happen upon. It's a product of something deeper. It emerges from this freeing understanding that, number one, we are stewards of all we have and not owners. And number two, that um, others have gone before us and have made a way for us. Now, we're going to focus primarily today on this first point. We are stewards and not owners. We are stewards, not owners. Now, we read 1 Chronicles chapter 29. The background of 1 Chronicles chapter 29 is that King David, uh, the king of Israel, is, is getting ready to, to build this magnificent temple for God. This beautiful, magnificent temple that God has designed, that God has given them the plans for. And so he has begun gathering the necessary workers. He's been gathering the necessary supplies and materials and tools, all of the things that are needed to build this fabulous new temple for God. And it says in 1 Chronicles, the end, the end of the book, and this is just near the end of David's life, 
He's gathering all this stuff, and it says actually that David gave of his own resources. He gave gold, he gave silver, he gave timber, he gave cattle, he gave all of this stuff uh, to, in order for this temple to be built. And then it says the leaders with David, the leaders of Israel, they also gave generously to be able to help build this temple. So all these people are giving of their resources, giving of all their hard-earned uh, you know, uh, uh, wealth, all of this in order to build this temple for God. And in fact, David would not be the one who built the temple. It would be his son Solomon who ultimately would build this temple. So this expression of, of praise that David is giving here in First Chronicles 29 is interesting because he has just got done saying, here's all the stuff we've given. All this gold, all the silver, all, you know, all these cattle, all this stuff in order for us to be able to build this, this beautiful temple. And then he, he gives this sort of, song of praise at the end of his life. And, the, and he says, in, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he says in verse 11, he says in, in that verse, he says, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. In verse 12, he says, wealth and honor, God, come from you. In verse 14, he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. In other words, he's saying, you know, we, yeah, we gave all this, we gave all this, but really, who are we that we should even be able to do this? The only reason we can do this, God, is because you gave it to us first, and we're just giving to you what you've already given us. It all belonged to you in the first place. So don't pat us on the back, God. This is you. This is all you. That's what David is saying here at the end of his life. Now, David didn't always see things exactly this way. But at least at this point, at the end of his life, he's acknowledging that everything belonged to God. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. There's, there's no room for like, okay, but, but this part doesn't really belong to God. Everything. Everything belongs to God. Everything. The, the property that we're sitting on for this church, this belongs to God. In fact, years ago, many years ago, People gathered, leaders, uh, church members, um, they gave of themselves in order to purchase this property, in order to begin to build this, build hundreds of thousands of dollars, they gave of themselves, but they did it because they recognized, God, this doesn't belong to us, this belongs to you anyway. Your home belongs to God. Your money, it belongs to God. Now, whether we acknowledge it or not, you know, but it belongs to God. Your kids they are gods. That's why we do baby dedication. We do baby dedication. What, what we're saying in baby dedications is we, we bring that child up and we say, God, we recognize this child is a gift from you to me. And my responsibility here is to steward this gift the very best I can so that I would honor you in the way that I steward this gift. Baby, your, your, your child is a gift from God. He, they, they belong to him. Sometimes it's hard for us to remember that. When it's not going the way we think it should go, they belong to Him. Your car, it's God's. Now, you might think, well, God, then take over the payments. That'd be great. <laughs> but but, but it's all, it all belongs to Him, right? Your allegiance, your talents, your every breath belongs to God. Every breath. He's given these things to us to steward for Him. It's why He placed us on this earth in the first place, that he, we would partner with Him to steward what God had already begun in this creation. He told us to, 
fill the earth and subdue it, to be fruitful and multiply. He wanted us to put whatever we put our hands to, to help that thing to flourish. Whoever we were around and had influence over, we would help those people to flourish. That whatever we did with this creation, this earth we're on, we would help it to flourish. Wherever we go in our job place, we would help that place to flourish. That's what God intended for us to do. It all belongs to Him and we're stewards of it. And when we understand that we're stewards, uh, not owners, uh, some things happen. Number one, we're free from an attitude of entitlement. We get free from this attitude of entitlement. I deserve this. I deserve it. It's mine. I, I hear people talking about the fact that I'm a self-made person. Or I hear they're a self-made person. You see, I don't believe there's anything, any such thing as a self-made person. I, I think that we all stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. And... Uh, have paved the way for us. And even beyond that, God has given us the ability to do anything. Jesus said in John 15, verse 5, He said, apart from me, you can do right. Apart, I mean, think about that. You might think, okay, yeah, but I can do this. Well, no, you couldn't because God gave the ability to do this, right? If I do this, I had a friend used to say, does God know I'm going to do this right now? <laughs> He gives us the ability to do whatever we're able to do. And, um, and, and so God, has, God, apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. And yes, it's good to work hard. Yes, uh, some people come from a life, life of deep poverty or neglect or disadvantage, and they start with almost nothing, and they work their way up, and that should be applauded, that should be honored, that should be celebrated. Um, sometimes you deserve a raise, sometimes you earned a vacation, uh, sometimes you deserve better treatment, so it's not suggesting that we don't earn some things or we don't deserve some things or we can't advocate for ourselves in certain things, but there's a difference between advocating for that and being entitled. See, when we understand that God is the source of our strength, that God is the source of our ability, that God is our provider, that our attitude moves from, God, I deserve this, to God, thank you for giving me this blessing of your provision. God, thank you for what you've provided for me. How do you want me now, God, to use this for your uh, honor? How do you want me to use this for your purposes? How do you want me to use this to glorify you? God, how do you want me to use this? So let's say you, you got a promotion. God, how can I use this promotion to better honor and serve you? Maybe you're in a new position and you have more influence. The, the, the question should be, God, I'm a steward of this position, not the owner. It's not just because of me. It's because you've given me the ability to do this. How can I use this position now, God, to honor you in a way that would just help in the mission that God you've called me to, to live out. We saw that in the life of Joseph in the Bible where he went from one place to another and everything he did, he honored God and God continued to promote him and he used those promotions in order to use that influence uh, for God's purposes. Maybe it's your possessions and, and God has given you some things and you can say, God, okay, God, you've given me this. Maybe I know I bought it, I paid money, but that money came from you. I know I worked for it, but that ability to work came from you and now I have this possession. How can I use this, God? For your purposes. How can I use this for your honor? I, um, part of my job over the last several years is, uh, requires me some travel. And most of my travel is up and down the West Coast. And so 
um, because I travel most up and down the West Coast and I'm out of Seattle, I fly Alaska Airlines. I fly almost exclusively Alaska Airlines. I fly, I love Alaska Airlines, by the way. And, um, and so I, I fly up and down the coast and, and uh, you know, my, my job pays for this. It's not like I, you know, done this, but it's just part of what's required. So because I fly so much with Alaska Airlines, you add up a number of miles and you get a special sort of status with the airlines, true in most airlines. So, you spe- so they call me an MVP. So I'm an MVP with Alaska Airlines. Everybody give me a hand. No, I'm kidding. Don't. Please don't. I did nothing to deserve that except just do my job. So, so, um, so I'm an MVP with Alaska. What that means is I get a few extra perks. So um, I, get to, I don't have to pay for my checked baggage, which is great. Um, I can pick my own uh, whatever whatever uh, seat I want in the plane. I always pick 17C. It's the it's the exit row. I give extra leg room, so I always pick that seat. Uh, so so I, I get that. I get extra leg room. I get to go into the plane a little before others. They'll call. They'll be like, "All oh, the MVPs, you can enter the plane now." And I'm like, "Okay, that's me. I'm an MVP." And so I walk in, and and so it's great. It's been, I did nothing to earn it, um, but uh, but I, I do enjoy it. So one time I was flying across the country to Pittsburgh. Well, I, I couldn't take Alaska. It was booked for me on another airline. It's a partner airline, but it's not Alaska airline. I get there, and, and they don't recognize me as an MVP. I'm like, what is up with this? I had to pay for my luggage. When I, 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 you know, I had to sit somewhere you know, in the back of the plane. I didn't have all my extra leg room. I'm starting to get grumbly about this, right? And, and uh, I get to the gate. They're calling all the other people forward, and I'm back with the huddled masses. You know, I have to come in with, with all the rest. And I'm like, hey, don't they know I'm an MVP? And sometimes what happens in our life is we get so used to the privileges we've been given that we don't even realize our privileges anymore, <laughs> that we start living sort of this entitled, like, no, don't take that away from me because I have a right to it now. It's no longer a privilege. We no longer see it as a blessing. But we see, I got a right to this. And now we start grumbling because we've lost the idea or the understanding of what the source of that is from. And when we recognize that God is the source, we don't live entitled lives. Everything we have is a blessing from Him. When we we live as stewards, not owners, we view life as a gift. And when we view life as a gift, it frees us from resentment, frees us from greed, frees us from jealousy. There's a passage in the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 17, says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. In fact, the verse before that, it says, Do not be deceived. Every good and perfect gift is from above. And the verse before that, it says, um, the reason that we sin is because we've been dragged away by our own lust, uh, by our own evil desires, and then that gives birth to sin, and then sin gives birth to death. It's saying, listen, you, get, you keep going after and grabbing after, and you have envy, and you have greed, and that leads, to, um, that leads to sin, and that leads to death. Don't be deceived. Every perfect, good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Everything we have comes from Him. David said it this way in the passage we read together, wealth and honor come from you. Everything comes from you. Everything we own is a gift from God to be used for His purposes. And if we understand this, we stop looking at the neighbor's home. We stop looking at somebody else's car. 
We stop comparing our job situation to somebody else's job situation. We stop going, hey, I did this and this and this right, and my life is going this way, and they didn't seem to do all the things right, and how come their life is going so much differently or better than mine? And we start seeing through a jaded lens. Um, and, and when we live as though life is a gift, when we understand that what we have and, and that the life that we live, the breath that we have is a gift, we, what we have becomes so much more meaningful because now it takes on redemptive purpose. It doesn't mean we won't have difficulty. It doesn't won't mean we won't have pain. It doesn't mean we won't have struggle. And, and it doesn't even mean that you can't express to, to the Lord that you're frustrated. It doesn't mean you can't express to the Lord that you don't understand or you don't get it. There are times, in fact, the book of Psalms, the whole book of Psalms is this permission-giving book that says you can cry out to God and you can tell Him what you feel, and it's okay. God, I don't get this. Why are those people getting that? And, and I'm in this situation. But, but, but the psalmist always seems to come back to this place where, but God, I will trust you because you are good. See, when we don't understand what God is doing, we always come back to who God is. Because there are times we don't understand what God is doing. So uh, this, this, this life of gratitude doesn't mean you're just never going to have a problem or you're never going to talk about your difficulty. You're never going to talk about your pain. It just acknowledges that God is good and that, that God is the owner of everything. God is, is, is in control and He can be trusted. Uh, some of you know that my wife in 2000, end of 2018, Lisa, who I think is watching this morning, I'm not sure, but um, she, uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer at the end of 2018. She went through the most aggressive uh, treatment you can go through uh, with chemotherapy and, uh, and surgery and then followed up with radiation. And she's been in the midst of reconstruction, but for the last couple of years we've lived with the understanding that she's clear of this cancer. About a month ago, um, she started to get sick and went to the doctor, found out her lung was partially collapsed. There's fluid on her lung after a number of tests, to make a long story short, um, discovered that the cancer is back. And um, so it now there, it's in some lymph nodes and, and uh, in the lining of the lungs. And so it's created quite a significant amount of pain in her for the last month or so. And uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's called stage four uh, metastatic breast cancer. That's what it's called. And so a new treatment has begun, but we are navigating and managing this pain in the midst of uh, this new season we find ourselves in. And uh, what we have discovered or what we continue to come to, there, there was a statement my mother used to say uh, very frequently. She would say, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. And the thing we understand is that every single day is a gift. Every breath we have from God is a gift from Him. Every breath, every day, every step. We're going to continue to pray to God for a miracle healing for my wife. Amen? And we believe that God can absolutely do that. We're going to pray that the pain is alleviated and relieved. She's healed. God gets the glory for that. But in the midst of it, every breath is a gift. Um, every day is ordained by Him. He has ordered our days. Every day. 
And, and here's the thing about difficult times. When you go through difficult times, the difficult times re- reveal, and how you respond in the midst of difficult times, reveal what your roots are connected to. And they reveal in those times who really do you belong to? Who really owns your life? Who really is the one that you look to in the midst of those things? Hopefully your roots are coming from an understanding that God is the one who is our Lord. God is the one who owns it. We don't understand why things, things happen, you know, why, why a difficult uh, seasons come. And God's original intention that there would be none of these and there would be no death, there would be no struggle, there would be no pain. That was never God's intention in the, in the first place. But we have the gift of today. And today is a gift. Every breath, every day is a reason to be grateful. When we understand we're stewards and not owners, we freely use our skills and talents for God's purposes. And our work takes on greater meaning. God always intended for us to work. From the beginning of creation, He put the man, the man and woman in the earth to, to tend the garden and to work, but it was not supposed to have this pain associated with it. it. But we were supposed to help everything flourish, as we talked about before. But that work is supposed to have redemptive meaning. And when we, free, when we understand that, God, the skills, the abilities you've given me, whether it's to be a carpenter or whether it's to be a plumber or whether it's to be an attorney or whether it's to be a real estate agent or whatever it is, you give me these gifts. All of a sudden, when we recognize those are from God, that stuff takes on redemptive purpose. Because whatever you do, Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, do heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. And then finally, when we recognize we're stewards and not owners, we live as those who are free. We have a different spirit. There's just a different spirit among people who live with this spirit of gratitude, with this understanding that God is our owner and that we are stewards of the life He's given us. There's a humility about it. There's a humility because because we recognize that it's not me who is doing this. It's not me who is accomplishing this. God has given us these things. God has given us these gifts. God, God has given us these abilities. God has given us this day. And so there's a humility about that. I didn't do this. God has done this. There's a generosity that comes for those who understand that uh, we are stewards, not owners. David said it himself in that, in that first Chronicles, who am I and who are these people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Because we recognize, God, it all comes from you. In first Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, Paul says this to the church. He said, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I love this metaphor, that God provides the seed, God provides the seed for the farmer, and then the bread to eat, and then He produces a harvest. What's the harvest? The harvest is a harvest of generosity in you. And it goes on to say, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be so that. The so that's in Scripture are always important. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. You can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, then they will thank God. And I want you to understand what happens is when we live generous lives because we acknowledge that everything we have comes from God and then we give that back to God and we give that to support those who are in need, then it gives them an opportunity to recognize, oh God, this came from you. It's not about what came from us. It's about what came from God. Then they will thank God. And it makes us hopeful. When we live as those who who understand we're stewards, not owners, There's just a hopefulness 
Because what we believe about God is fresh every day. There is just this sense of wonder in our lives that really actually believes that God's mercies are new every morning. That something new can happen because God owns this day. God has given me this, this opportunity. There's a man named Anthony Ray Hinton who spent 30 years on death row for a crime he didn't commit. While he was there, he became um, a counselor and, and gave, gave uh, support and encouragement to other prison guards and people in the, in the prison there. Eventually, the Supreme Court recognized that he did not commit this crime and they released him. And he, he did an interview. And in the interview, he said these words. Now, remember, he'd been in prison for a crime he didn't commit for 30 years. Think about that. Think about how unfair that seems. How do you have gratitude in the midst of a situation that is, is that unfair? And he said this. He said, listen, the world didn't give you your joy. And the world can't take it away. You can let people come into your life and destroy it, but I refuse to let anyone take my joy. I wake up in the morning and I don't need anyone to make me laugh. I'm going to laugh on my own. Listen to these words. Because I have been blessed to see another day. And when you're blessed to see another day, that should automatically give you joy. He recognized that the, that the life he had was a gift. There was some deeper root. It wasn't just based on the circumstance. There was a deeper root that every day is a gift. So I'm going to invite you to respond to this this morning. And I want to ask this question. In what area of your life do you need to release ownership to God? Maybe it's ownership back to God. Maybe there's an area of your life where you just, you've been sort of holding on to it tight-fisted. You said, no, this is mine. No, this is, you know, I, I'll give this part of my life to God over here, but, but this part is mine. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your kids. You just need to release them back that they, they belong to Him. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's just this day. Maybe it's your abilities. You're just doing things for yourself, but that these are these belong to God. Maybe it's a difficult situation that you find yourself in, and you've been you're finding it hard. God, I even just saying, God, I don't understand. I don't understand, and I, you're trying to fix it. Maybe it's it's a situation where you need to say, God, I trust you. You need to release this back ownership back to God of this. Your kids, whatever. Maybe it's your dreams. Maybe there are dreams that you've, you've been holding on to or, and, and, and you haven't seen them come to fruition yet. But you need to say, God, okay, I'm going to entrust you with my dreams and my desires. And I want my life to be about who you are. In fact, would you just bow your head with me for just a second? And, and I just want us to, I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you um, as we close there's an area of your life where you would say, you know what, I've been holding on to that and I just really need to surrender that back. Maybe it's your whole life. Maybe it's just your life. You've been doing it on your own. Or maybe there's just an area and you really haven't been trusting God. But He owns it. Everything belongs to Him. And you need to just acknowledge that God is good enough to handle this. God is trustworthy to handle this situation. If that's you, you want me to pray for you this morning. Could you just slip your hand up? Just real quickly, just slip up. If there's an area you want me to pray for today, because it's, yeah, okay. Okay, good. Thank you. Let me pray for you. 
Father, um, I pray for these who have said, God, there's an area I just need to surrender. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a relational situation. Maybe it's health. God, I surrender that to you. Lord, maybe it's, maybe it's dreams. Maybe it's whatever it is. Lord, you know what's going on in the hearts of these, your people, and I just pray that whatever needs to be surrendered to recognize, God, you are the owner, and I'm going to live from today forward as though you own this, and I'm going to steward it and not possess it. God, would you do that in us today? Would you give us the power and the ability by your Holy Spirit to not just try to control it or not just to try to be so self-sufficient, but to entrust, Lord, to, to trust that what you've entrusted us with that we're going to live out for your glory and for your honor. God, I just pray that as people release this back, Lord, that there would be a peace, there'd be a freedom that comes because we don't have to do it by ourselves. We can trust you. We can trust you. We can believe you. So we do trust you today. God, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a couple other things I would encourage you just to do, maybe between now and... Maybe between now and Thanksgiving. Maybe write out a thank you note to God every day. There's something probably that you can thank God for that maybe you haven't thought about thanking God for. You've, maybe you haven't thought about the fact that God is the one who's given you that. I just encourage you every day, just as a practice, to, to write out a thank you note to God every day. And maybe another thing you could do is who, who has it? Who is, we didn't talk about this much, but who have been the ones who paved the way for you? Who's the ones whose who shoulders you're standing on? Maybe just, maybe just write a note of thanks. Send a card of thanks. Maybe send a text that says, you know what? I know you paved the way for me, and I just want to say thank you. Live a life of gratitude. Let's, uh, let's stand together. Let's just sing this chorus again. God is good. Amen. So grateful that we get to be grateful and give thanks to God, even when we think we don't have enough, because he is more than enough. And that is amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Looking forward to seeing you guys this next week. Have a great week. You guys are loved. Thanks for coming.